Welcome to Photo Dump. This is a podcast by and for working photographers with Ren and Jen. How was your week? Uh, my week was like kind of depressing. <laughs> Why was it depressing? I mean, it actually goes into the conversation that we're going to have today about rejection. I lost two jobs this week, one of which I didn't really care for, but I've pre-bid and bid for this client now seven times, and each time Mm. I don't get the job. So I knew I wasn't going to get it. Like I wasn't expecting to get it. To me, it feels like a failed exercise that I just can't get out of. Like you can't say no. Like if they ask you, right, you can't say no, even though you know the outcome. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I'm probably in the same boat as you. I would just keep saying yes. Yeah. Because, you know, there isn't that many people that are, I mean, I'm a broken record over here, but there isn't that many people that are actually bidding on it. So Okay. But in this case. I mean, still, <laughs> even if it was five or ten, there's so many photographers. No, but Robin asks for, like, she always asks for feedback mm-hmm. and yeah. they were like, out of hundreds <laughs> photographers i was like everyone can't see my facial facial reaction but (laughs) it's absurd um but you don't think hundreds of people put in a treatment do you no no no. it was so the way that this agency does it is they have a pre-bid and a bid and so the pre-bid is their initial interview process where Mm -hmm. i'm assuming i i was thinking maybe they'd interview like 10 photographers Mm -hmm. So when they said hundreds, I was like, maybe they interviewed 20. I don't know. But they were like, yeah, out of hundreds of photographers, Ren was high on the list. Okay, but you made it past that pre-bid. No, I didn't. I didn't make it past the pre-bid. Yeah, which I'm grateful because I think we've, so we've done the pre-bid part like seven or eight times, maybe more. I've legit lost count. It's been three years of them reaching out. Mm-hmm. And then I've made it to the bidding part, I think three times, three or four times. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, we like go hard on the treatment so that because we like it would be a great client to have. Yeah. So we really mm-hmm. put our best foot forward. And after the second time <laughs> of not getting it, I was like, I don't know if I want to try this hard. <laughs> Like, I don't know if I want to put in like a week and a half. Like yeah. maybe I'll put in like two or three. Are days. you making completely different treatments every time? Well, I feel like we have to because it's for the same, same client, client. So you can't like regurgitate. I don't know. It's it's a tricky one. So I'm kind of glad. Yeah, I wonder really how often they're referencing what you did before or even like a reading. Yeah. What you, you know what you did before kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But anyway, so that was the one that I was fine with not getting. But and then we could talk about this more when we like actually have a conversation about the feeling of rejection. But it still obviously doesn't feel good to not be selected. And I still feel like even though I know my work is is good enough for or is like good for these brands, certain clients, like maybe it's just not it's not the right fit. It's not about my skill level. It's not about my 
abilities i think it's just it's just this i don't like i think it's just not syncing up with whatever they're looking for and i shouldn't beat myself up over it but i can't help it (laughs) okay so for the other this other client you don't do a treatment for them right no how do you think they pick determine yeah (laughs) because um you know there is a client that i have that's a big client too and very similar situation where i feel like they put you on hold and sometimes we don't even know the creative oh yeah, yeah usually actually same with this we one. don't know the creative mm-hmm. until it's until they tell us we have it yeah um and then you cross your fingers that you can do it <laughs> yeah for me i kind of think that this client just puts a bunch of people on hold and people just slowly have other jobs pop up and then you know let the producer know and then you know if you're not available then you're just not available well how far in advance do they put you on hold sometimes pretty far in advance Uh uh-huh i know when we've asked a couple of times i haven't gotten it because they went with someone local but i mean i guess they know what they're shooting so in that sense they are looking at the creative and picking but i feel like for that kind of job it's like hard because you don't know that you're not going to be asked again another time you know, there's been times where you didn't get it before. Yeah, I think I think there was just some crazy like fluke in the matrix where I got three in a row and I was right. like, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> but I also know that they have a rotation of photographers right. and I I don't think the three in a row is is normal or at least I wasn't expecting it. I think it just happened that way. And so I think I just I had a feeling I wasn't going to get this one because I was like four in a row would be kind of crazy. But then part of me was like, that would be awesome if I got like fourth one in a row. But I think kind of what you're saying, I I do think that it is more than just availability. I, I know that the art director is really thoughtful about style mm-hmm. and so, you know, these like regular clients, they have different seasons that they're shooting for. Right. So I think this one would have been like past the holidays, but it was winter time. Okay. And so the vibe is darker. Right. But I'm not like, that's not my total style and brand. So, you know, I'm not surprised that maybe I'm not the first person that they think of. And I know some of their other photographers are specifically amazing with like mood. Yeah. So I do think that they are thoughtful about the creative and who they're picking. And I do think that they recognize the differences between the photographers and they and they make those choices according to the creative that they're yeah. doing. So I don't think it's an, it's not anything personal, mm-hmm. but it's just it's hard, especially when it's a regular semi regular. You're like, oh, no, is, am I out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I do something wrong last time? Yeah, I don't know. I feel the same way. I think to this one client, I only shoot for them. I'm always there in the winter time. I'm like, oh, the summer. Interesting. (laughs) But it's not winter content. It's just I usually get more inquiries for them in the winter time. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing, obviously, rejection is a huge, huge, huge part of this career. If that's what you're getting into, it's impossible to avoid. And 
well first of all i know everybody deals with it yeah some better than others and i think if you can figure out a way to deal with it you'll just have a healthier mental state right (laughs) easier said than done yeah it's just hard it doesn't matter how you know how many times it's still hard every time yeah um and it's just learning how to cope with it each time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i was gonna say what are your how do you cope with it <laughs> i just had this conversation with someone the other day and it's one of those things where i know i don't suck yeah i know i'm talented i think thinking about how far you've come is important mm-hmm. you know where you started and where you are now but at the same time you just can't help the way you feel mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so it's just trying to remember that you've come a long way and that you've done a lot of things and the best you can do is just like keep treading on mm-hmm. and continually building your own body of work to make you know to make sure that you're never I guess just being complacent right I think is a big important part of it but it's also hard because you can't help the way you feel even even though I know I'm talented when you have a lot of rejection, mm-hmm. it's easy to just, I know I'm great. I know mm-hmm. I don't suck. I know a lot of people think my work is really beautiful. Me. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't help the way you feel, right? You're like, you know the pain's going to go away, but it still yeah. hurts in the moment. Right, yeah. And especially I feel like we, the industry is small enough that I feel like half the time we end up finding out or getting feedback of who got it over us. So then you're playing the comparison game. Yeah, I think the best thing to do is to not compare yourself if you can help it. Because you also you don't want to you don't want to be the same as someone else. Everybody else, right. And that's our episode, guys. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I feel like it's just to remind yourself at how far you've come. And then to also just not dwell on it and then to continually work on improving your craft and finding your voice and all those things like even us as like seasoned photographers were constantly growing and learning and shaping the way our work is so I'm just even thinking back I know how you were saying like think back to how far you've come I feel like when I first well I guess when I first started working the rate of not getting a job was lower because we were getting these direct emails from, you know, smaller businesses, restaurants, whatever. And it was either based on budget or availability. And they were very rarely triple bids. And then once I started bidding on commercial jobs, that was when rejection became a huge (laughs) part of my life. Yeah. And in the beginning, I used to I mean it really knocked me out I actually the same client that I was talking about the first time I didn't get their job awarded we had put in so much so much time into this treatment and we were getting such great feedback I think it's I think also it's just the misleading feedback which now I know I have to completely not ingest at all like if someone's like we you're our number one like we're so excited i'm like i'll believe it when i see it but back Mm -hmm. then i was like oh my god they love me i'm gonna Mm -hmm. get this job and so when i didn't get that job i remember well first of all i cried Mm -hmm. (laughs) like sobbed which i don't do anymore i don't cry yes and i was i mean i was so butthurt 
it took me like a week to get over it i was so sad yeah and gosh now in retrospect i'm like what a waste of time because now i know that i mean just even as a starting point our chances of rejection are much higher than yeah. getting the job it's a 60 percent right. chance you're not going to get the job right yeah. That's really high. The odds are not in your favor. <laughs> odds are not in our favor, that's for sure. I mean, I think this is also just with everything in life. Like I try to remember, you know, being upset or dwelling on it does not make it better in any way. Yeah. That's what I try to remind myself just also in everything in life. Like I try not to be super upset for a long time because being upset actually doesn't make the problem better mm-hmm. and to really focus on what I can do to make things mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. Um, is like really something I try to do just all around in life so yeah yeah no I think that's a good I think that's a good approach yeah I mean I feel like the growth for rejection that I've had over the past like three or four years has been a lot of like conversations like that with myself mm-hmm. where I think in the beginning I felt a little misguided where I would think, okay, what do I need to do next time to make me actually competitive with whoever I'm bidding against? Mm-hmm. And I I do remember it got to a point where I was like, and I think it was because I received a deck that was very clearly not my style. Mm-hmm. And part of me, I remember I was considering, I was like, do I do, I do a little test shoot just in this style? to try to add some images to the treatment that feel more in line. And then I was like, wait, but I don't even like this style. Like it's not my style. Yeah. And I think it was, there was a time period where I was getting a lot of decks that weren't just not my style at all that I, and I think we talked about this. Like you could think of photographer X, Y, and Z who would be perfect for this job. Why are they reaching out to me? Right. And it was kind of good to go through that because it it made me realize that style is so important. And so it's not anything personal when you're not awarded a job. It's, they're not thinking that you don't have the ability to deliver. It's just all about style. And you can't change. I mean, you can change your point of view and your voice if you really want to. Yeah. But then it's more fun when you're true to yourself. Right. And I don't think any of these clients are really asking us to change our style specifically but for whatever reason they see our work as like something that could be in their you know aligned in their vision but i i think if you're earlier in your career that could be a little confusing i actually i think we were awarded a job it was a smaller job but they had a really specific it was very stylized and i remember my agent was like do you want to have a conversation with them about the kind of lighting that they want and the kind of look that they're going for. And, I, and that was like a very defining moment for me because I, I was like, no, I don't because I'm, I, I don't light this way. Like I'm going to light the way that I light and I'm just going to assume that they hired me for my portfolio right? and that their deck is going to be a marriage between their initial idea with, with my style yeah and that was like a game changer for me yeah how did that shoot go it was Mm -hmm. great i mean Mm -hmm. i lit it the way that i I mean i obviously kept in mind their the mood and what they were going for but i feel like a lot of that can really be conveyed in the style stylist that you choose yes yeah so i think that like realizing that 
was kind of a game changer for me. So, so now for me, when I see something that isn't particularly my look and feel style, I put a lot of time thinking into the stylist that I would hire. Like I right. used to just hire stylists that I wanted to work with. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I really put thought into who would be a good fit for yeah. what the client is is looking for. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of our work, at least for me, you know, I think the stylists are so valuable and shaping so valuable. the way that things yeah. look. And yeah, they definitely play a big role in, in who you pick to yeah. like help style everything. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I know sometimes I've spoken to a lot of stylists that feel really undervalued in that way because they are so responsible with creating the the world that we're shooting in yeah i mean i don't know i don't totally know how to fix that's that. a topic for that's another a separate day. topic that we can bring in some stylists for <laughs> but it's it's tough i assume that art directors know that but maybe not i don't know Maybe they think it's all, I don't think they think it's the photographer does all of it. No, I don't think so. Because even I think some of the really big jobs I've noticed, um, sometimes they already come in with a team. With a team, yeah. Yeah, and you're, and actually feel as though the photographer is the last pick yeah. sometimes. Also true. Yeah, and actually this client, the the regular client that I got rejected from this week, they have a regular styling team and they only rotate out the photographers. Yeah. And I think that's really telling of they have the stylists that they work with really well that know how to deliver the look and feel, the world of this client and then the photographers responsible for creating the light and the mood. Yeah, I feel like the biggest takeaway is that it's just, it's not personal. I think because you and I both believe in ourselves and each other. Most of the time. (laughs) We know we know what we're doing. We know we're good at our voice because it's our voice. And I think it's just important to remind yourself that anytime you don't get work, even though it's upsetting. Yeah. Maybe we should, you should bookmark this podcast anytime you have a rejection and you can listen to it. Yeah. (laughs) Because as much as we know that everyone deals with rejection, anytime you hear someone that's a peer that is in the similar boat as you also having rejection. Yeah. uh, It feels really nice. I feel like there's like multiple like scales of rejection. Like there's the rejection where you're bidding on work and there's the rejection of or the feeling of rejection when you're not getting any inquiries too. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's just the remind. And I feel like oftentimes when I get rejected on jobs, it comes in sets. Yes. So I feel like after a certain amount of rejection, I'm like, I'm I know there's a win coming, like right yes. around the corner, like I'm overdue, which is a nice reminder. Yes, I feel this very strongly right now. I conveniently, randomly had five cookbook inquiries oh all gosh. at the same time, which is that's a lot. very rare. Yeah, I don't know how it happened. They weren't all shooting at the same time, but they all came in basically within two weeks of each other. Yeah. Um, and as of now, I've been dwindled down to two left and one I'm pretty sure is not going to happen so hoping that the one out of five yeah <laughs> will work so that 
Um, and if not, then the sixth one will. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's where I'm at right now um, in terms of rejection. So actually, I did get an inquiry from someone that had messaged me months ago. Oh. And then they just stopped replying and I was like, whatever. I mean, I wasn't like, whatever, but. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. If I, if I don't hear back, I like forget. I messaged them back and they never replied. So mm. in that sense, it wasn't like I just never replied. But um, yeah, they emailed me back two months, months later. later. Yeah. So. Which also happens. That's the cookbook that I'm shooting now. We emailed, we started emailing with each other in the new year. So I think like end of January, no, in January was when they reached out. And then literally the last email, because I went back and looked that we exchanged with each other was me sending a reply and a question (laughs) on February 2nd, 2023, and then didn't hear a peep from them until... What month are we in? We're in September right now. So we'll be airing this much later. But did not hear a peep from them until August. Yeah. Being like, we're ready. And the first email is like, we're ready. Yeah, like we're ready to confirm you. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I think too, cookbook world just sometimes doesn't understand holds. And, you know, they feel as though a conversation is a hold. Yeah. You know, I don't know. (laughs) And it's hard too. I mean, this one ended up working out i mean it was really stressful because they reached out to me in i think like the second week of august being like we're ready to go we need to shoot this in september mm-hmm. and i i also needed to shoot this in september because i'm like traveling and a bunch of stuff in october but i also had a shoot in september so there was like a small there was a small window already to start with and then keeping in mind that stylist book out much further out it was so hard to get this off the ground stress wise and like (laughs) scheduling wise to the point where I was like well I'm just not I'm just not gonna like what can I do if I can't get a team together like if I can't get a team together they can just go with someone else who can get a team together and it all ended up working out and I'm actually really glad with how last minute it was because I didn't have the stress of other advertising conflicts. Right, right. Which is like the biggest stress of taking cookbook jobs because they're two weeks long usually and you have to, and they usually ask you to hold like a year in advance. And you're like, I don't know where I'm going to be in a year. I, I was going to read this thing. Um, Chris Simpson. Oh, yeah. He posted something the other day and. Yeah, do you want to read it? I'll read a, the part of it that I felt resonated with me. This platform is a highlight reel of everything that's good, and oftentimes I'm not sharing the realities of life. I have a lot of people reach out to me or want to talk with me about becoming a photographer. I've always said just keep doing what you're doing, shoot the work that you want to shoot, and try your best not to compare yourself to others. I've been down that road and will be down it again, I'm sure. It doesn't lead anywhere. It took me years to find my voice and to have a body of work that feels personal, cohesive, and my own. Mm-hmm. Some people get that right out of the gate, but for many, it's constant work to get to the point where you feel like you are always getting the work you've always dreamed of. All this to say is stay humble, keep pushing, and don't take no for an answer. Believe in yourself and keep creating. And he goes on. But Hell to I, the yes. Yeah, I think so that's true. like really, you know, 
yeah. relevant in, in the terms of rejection and just being a working photographer um, yeah. that you're always continuing to improve and mm-hmm. work hard. And the only way to get better is to just keep shooting. Yeah. And it, it takes so much time. It just it's it takes so much time. I think we talked about very like briefly on one of the AMAs of finding your voice and I feel like for the longest time I was just like there my photography is just like a mishmash of just different things I like to shoot mm-hmm. and I feel like it took so long to realize like the look and feel that I like and how I like to shoot things and the approaches that I like to take yeah that, sh- that shit takes like years yeah a failed experiences <laughs> i think the other thing that i really liked from his post was um i don't think you read it just now he said something like behind every successful photographer is someone who's like incredibly sleep deprived and frustrated and really stressed out i mean i think a lot of people think that we're just on set having fun and that's it and yeah. that's i think that's like 20 percent of it mm-hmm and on set is usually pretty stressful too. So maybe it's like 10% having the best time ever because it's, you know, you're not at a computer all day. But when you're not on set, you probably are at a computer all day, yeah. probably more than all day. You're working on treatments that you're not getting paid for. You know, you're answering endless emails. I'm actually putting together the presentation for Rev and I included oh, a, yeah. a screenshot of how I organize Mm -hmm. my emails once I get a job. There's so many emails. Like, it's just (laughs) so hard to keep track of. You know, it's it's a lot of not fun stuff that's highlighted in a way on Instagram that you just don't see. Yeah, definitely Instagram is a highlight reel. It's no longer Insta. It's not Insta. I mean, it used to be. It's just highlight. (laughs) Yeah, I think it depends on the person. I think you do a pretty good job of mixing some life in there but mine is definitely just a portfolio now an extension of my portfolio Um, I I mean I feel like I have to make an effort to mix some life in there that's why I have the personal account that I just remembered about yesterday (laughs) so I mean I was gonna comment because I have technically I have two personal accounts you do yeah but both I well when I I created an account for Isla where I was kind of posting literally have not posted on Isla's Instagram since like she was a year and a half (laughs) she's almost three guys um and then the other one was like just I would put the one second videos on there but I also haven't been doing that either and I also have not posted to that in forever so I say that I have two but I really don't I can barely function on running the one yeah (laughs) so who was I kidding really yeah no, I know. Uh, Instagram is just very corporate now. I feel like it's just everyone's business, working business. And I don't know. It's, it's only so much. I, I actually set a uh, timer for mm-hmm. myself that mm-hmm. Sam set the passcode to. So it like actually blocks me after <laughs> oh, an hour. Nice. Yeah. And oftentimes I don't even reach the hour because I just get bored. Scroll Like I don't want to like at work all day. I spend all day looking at my own work. I know I go I go down this rabbit hole sometimes though with like especially now that the way that Instagram is the algorithm and they feed you so much random Mm -hmm. stuff yeah I get so much Zendaya content oh my god and I love it (laughs) I'm like oh and you know it's funny because Facebook does the same thing 
And I get really mad anytime I click on something on Facebook and I'm like, why did I just watch that? It's like yeah. some delivery driver, like dropping off a package and it's like not even a real delivery driver. Like, I, why? <laughs> why? Um, yes. This is how this is how we uh, deal with rejection. We (laughs) scroll doom scroll. We torment ourselves further by doom scrolling other people's success. Um, Don't do it. No, I think I think actually having those boundaries is helpful for rejection and mute like muting people. I think I do it all the time. I mean, it's nothing personal. I love the person. It's just sometimes I like can't handle their success and if you need to you can unfollow them yeah but muting is nicer yes muting is nicer (laughs) i mean i think the biggest thing is separating the ego with reality because the ego is impossible to get rid of unless you're who's that guy eckhart tolle he has a book that I read a really long time ago. I think it's called, I think the one that I really liked was it called A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. And I feel like the whole book is about ego Mm -hmm. and how it just totally stands in your way of truth, purpose, all of that stuff. I'm not going to go, I I mean, read it. I read it when I was like 23 or something. I was like, oh my God, this is life changing. (laughs) But yeah, the ego is just, this thing that lives inside of you that is you have it's hard to control and i feel like that's what feeds the ego like feeds off despair and self-doubt and all of that stuff and it it can get crazy like it can really go get out of control so i that's something that i think about often with rejection is the bulk of my initial feelings are all coming from my ego. Like my ego gets bruised and then I go on a spiral. And when I start thinking about it logically, I mean, I journal a lot, but when I think about it logically, I'm like, I know I'm good at what I do. I know this has nothing to do with me. Yeah. And also even aside from style choices, there's so many other factors that go into people's decision. Yeah. Like they could have a regular photographer that they work with all the time. Like this client that I lost, six of the seven times I was bidding against their regular photographer that gets it every single time, Mm -hmm. which is fine, you know, or you could be their regular photographer and someone, they get a new creative director and they just want to change it up. It it doesn't matter if things are working. They just want to try someone new. I mean, it literally, there's just so many it could be a friend. It could be, I mean, it could be anything. Like it could be anything. And so I feel like thinking about it logically without emotion attached to it is, is what has helped me go from crying and sulking for a week to maybe having like a five minute pout session being like, oh, do I suck? <laughs> yeah. And then moving on with my life. Yes. Yeah. I think another thing that's helped me is I used to really, really overinvest myself into the treatments. And it's not to say that I don't put in a lot of work, but I don't, I don't beat myself up over. Like I used to be bummed if I couldn't find the right image for, you know, this and that. And I'm like, this is, this is the work that I have. Like I have what I have. Yeah. They'll either like it or they won't. I'm not going to beat myself up over it. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like my treatment process has actually it's helped make it a little bit shorter 
Mm-hmm. I don't I try not to spend a week on treatments anymore. Yeah. Because I feel like I've noticed that the initial kind of thought dump and photo dump, photo dump mm-hmm. of everything that goes into the treatment is my truest self. And mm-hmm. then once I start overthinking it, then it starts to feel sterile for me yeah. and generic. Yeah. So I just try to keep it loose and spontaneous. Yeah. Those are good advices. Just remember there is not a single working photographer that doesn't deal with rejection. I imagine. I imagine even Annie Leibovitz didn't get some jobs oh, yeah. that she thought she was going to get. And even if she did get the jobs, there's other people that are criticizing her in some other way. Yeah. Um, and that's a form of rejection, I yeah. think. So. And then think about the scale of photographers that are competing against Annie Leibovitz. They're, pro- they're like at the top of their game. They're yeah. not getting those jobs, you know. So yeah, it's just it's just part of it. I think actually another thing that I remind myself often about is I'm so grateful I'm not an actor. I mean, <laughs> I feel like the scale of rejection that working actors must deal with just like totally blows. Like I don't know how they function. So it could be worse. <laughs> yes, it could be worse. Yeah, everyone just deals with rejection and I think just trying to stay positive and not dwelling or you spend your five minute pout session and that's all you get give yourself um, five minutes and then gotta move on from that i actually just um this is kind of i haven't tried it yet because i just learned about it yesterday but i'm watching the show shrinking which i love have you seen it it's on it's on apple tv okay it's about a therapist gone kind of rogue but one of the things that one of the therapists does is he allows himself he puts he gives himself a 15 minute timer he puts on some music that's triggering Mm -hmm. and then he just grieves for he just like cries and does his whole thing until his timer goes off and then he just goes on with his day Mm -hmm. and i feel like that is something that like to acknowledge that process when you yeah. get rejection, I think it's okay. It's okay to feel upset. I mean, yeah. I think you'd be a psycho human if you were just like, eh, whatever. Right. <laughs> just no, like, we I mean, Yeah, sometimes it does feel great and actually helps to just get like a good cry out or a yeah. good, you know, I think too for me, sometimes it's just venting to yeah. tell somebody else the situation. I mean, in a way, it's like journaling instead of journaling. I just need to say it out loud to somebody. Um, and that really helps me too. Yeah, I think <laughs> like acknowledge. Well, I, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I, it, yeah, like acknowledging your feelings. Otherwise, you're suppressing them. So I feel like it's it's fine to have those feelings. Um, I just think it's important to not let those feelings take over your yeah. narrative because yeah. they're just they're just feelings. Mm-hmm. So yeah, give yourself five to 10 minutes to rage and then be like, well, I'm gonna prove I'm wrong. I'm gonna do better. (laughs) That's usually my approach. I'm like, here I go. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can buy us a coffee or become a member. Links to support in show notes. Photo Dump was created by Ren Fuller and Jennifer Chong. Edited by Aviv Rubenstein. Music by Daniel Smith. You can find us on Instagram at photodump.club. Thanks for listening. listening.